Do you ever find yourself yearning to look beyond the obvious and dreaming about what's possible in your next chapter? Welcome to the Next Chapter Experience. I'm your host, Jeanette Blissett, former corporate executive who turned the page to become a best-selling author, entrepreneur, designer, and lifestyle business consultant. Episodes feature me and a kaleidoscope of guests who share their journeys with wit, candor, and humor, braving life into real talks about things that matter most. I believe we all have a fire burning within us, waiting to be unleashed and shared with the world. It may just be a matter of time. So let's get together, turn the page, and get this adventure started. Welcome to the Next Chapter Experience. I'm your host, Jeanette Blissette, and today's guest is Gina Riley. Gina is a human resources professional who sits at the powerful convergence between career coaching, executive search, and interview skills training. She's an authority in career transition, and Gina brings over 25 years of experience from small businesses to Fortune 50 companies and also holds a master's degree in whole systems design. As a certified UMAP coach, Gina uses a very rare strength, combining focus and action to customize her model for each client. Gina's unique approach helps leaders showcase themselves as a business solution and position themselves as an authoritative problem solver that accelerates career transition success. With leadership clients from coast to coast, her clients say she connects familiar dots in new ways and pulls back the curtain to share unseen processes and unheard conversations from an executive recruiter's perspective. Gina, welcome to the Next Chapter Experience. I'm looking forward to this conversation today. So let's get started. Let's do it. I'm so excited. Yes, indeedy. Here we sit today. You're in Portland, Oregon. Tell me a little bit about your background. Okay. You did an amazing job with the tee up. It's HR background, 10 years at corporate, worked at Intel Corporation, staffing, recruiting, HR business partner, training and development. I took a 15 year break, which is one of the reasons why I think you and I connected is I understand like that whole career transition piece and then that jump into entrepreneurship as well. So I raised my sons. I've got two of them. So I had that gift to be able to do that. I didn't think I would transition back in. I was lured back with Talents Group. My friend Sherry Kitsowen runs that company, asked me to do some executive search, help her with interview skills training, which we do inside of corporations. So I'm an interview skills trainer at expert. And then I've since launched my own career coaching company where I have a specific and I think unique model to help people go through that career transition process. It's very robust. I typically work with my clients for six months to a year because at the leadership level, it can take it can take nine to 12 months to transition into the right role when there's less of those roles available. And I also help entrepreneurs sharpen that story, that sharp tool to explain their unique value proposition as well. I love that. I love that, and especially shaping that unique story. When I was doing some research on you and listening to you on podcasts, and the thought occurred to me, I spent so many years in corporate, so many years recruiting for different positions and the terminology you were using, it just brought it all back to me, the knowledge, the skills, 
the abilities. And then I always added the other talents to it. You the know. X factor, maybe. Exactly. And it just brought everything back to me in terms of what went into that from the behavioral based questions, brought it all back to me. And I was like, oh my God, I totally relate to where you're coming from on that. Yeah. But let's turn the page. When you're working with entrepreneurs or those who are transitioning from a career into perhaps their own self-created space. Can you take us a little bit through that type of process that you use with that type of client? Absolutely. And it actually is quite similar to what I do for people who are transitioning into their next career move in corporate or otherwise. And I've got a great story to share as well. So the first thing that I do is I help people get grounded in who they are and their unique value proposition as a person. So we don't go deep into all of those key results that they've gotten throughout their career, the things that might show up on a resume. I use a tool called the UMAP Career Profile Assessment. It's something that people can look up at myumap.com. What it is a holistic tool that helps me unpack each of my clients' unique talents. So their top five strengths from StrengthsFinder, which is a statistically valid tool that 33 million people have taken all around the world. Here's the thing. We can go take all of these different kinds of assessments, but unless you integrate them into your own language and vernacular, it's hard to then regurgitate that back out to the world. A lot of people take these surveys and assessments in corporate and then stick it in a drawer and they forget about it and they kind of number pieces of it. So what we do is we look at those top five strengths. We look at the second assessment, which is people's top values. And I use the top three of those. I sharpen it and I say, okay, when it comes to this transition, what are the top three things that we're going to come back to and question you about so that we understand your why you do what you do and whether or not you'll have a values violation if you engage in a certain client base or the people that you hire? There's things about you as a person that you need to have self-awareness before you integrate that with what you're doing with where you're targeting and where you're heading. The third assessment is a skills assessment. It's not based on whether or not you are good at the skill. It's does it motivate you or does it burn you out? So what we want is less of those burnout skills having to be used on any said job. So let's say it's an entrepreneur and a lot of the things they like to do is strategic strategy, going out and doing business development. And it's not, let's say the administration as a small business owner, we have to do that junk, but what can you do to set yourself up for success? So you can offload that sooner than later. So you can do the things that you love and the things that you do really well. Then the fourth assessment is a personality assessment. Now, personality assessments is only one of the four pillars of career satisfaction. Kristen Cherry, the author of UMAP, uses the Holland, and it's a careers-related personality assessment. So personality assessment also could look like the DISC, the Myers-Briggs, and what that tells us is who we are. And we'll hear, oh, I'm an extrovert, I'm an introvert. I'll tell you, I spend a lot less of my time on the personality piece, because if I understand how people do what they do, their natural talents, their strengths, and I understand why they do what they do, their values, I can get a lot of great juice from them for their storytelling. So what I do is I use that tool with my clients. We do a two-hour debrief and I go write a synthesis integrated with their language about who they serve, how they serve, why they serve, and do what they do. And then I help them translate that into some of their branding statements. So it's like I all of those things, who do I serve and so on, turns into something that's truly authentic and 
comes from them, their heart and their soul. So I'm working with a gentleman right now. He is transitioning from senior IT leadership into a new endeavor where he is going to be a real estate salesperson. What a transition. Incredible. And this is a very intelligent, emotionally in touch with himself gentleman who has led people and teams really incredible career. But guess where his heart is going? He has made some investments that has helped him gain more wealth for himself. His purpose now is to target IT or technology professionals because he can speak their language and ultimately help them get into that first home or into their next home and then invest in properties so that they can build their generational wealth. This is a man who came from out of the country. He's an immigrant. And his purpose now is to help others and give back and teach them, show them and guide them. And that is the messaging he and I are working on That's now. a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing. In fact, not too long ago, I reconnected with a friend from Indianapolis. We talked about what she was doing at that particular time. And she was going through a personal transition from a mm-hmm. marriage to going through a divorce. And then also a career transition from being a at the director level of a major restaurant chain on the operations oh. side into, are you ready for this? Real estate. Yes. Okay. And she is an immigrant and her goal or her passion is to show others how they can actually build wealth through real estate. So I totally get that story. It resonates with me. And it's a great example for those who are considering what's next. The number of times I've been out socially and get the question, how did you end up doing a podcast and I explain a little bit about my story and they say to me, I'm closing in on XYZ number of years with my company and I'm thinking about moving into another direction, but I just don't know where to start. So it sounds like the UMAP could be a really good tool that could be used. That's a great starting point. It does help ground you in what do I really like to do. Kristen has also written a book and there's a ton of resources where you you can go for free, comb through them and try to bubble up industries and jobs and things that will resonate for you. Ultimately, though, as you and I know, once we get grounded in who we are, a lot of what we have to do now is the real work of networking to get informational conversations with people who are doing jobs we think we might want to do so we can inform our process. That's a good point because I think that from the outside in, certain things appear a certain way and you don't really know what is entailed. A lot of people say, oh, I'd love to start a podcast. I'd love to actually launch a podcast. And I say, that's great. What would be your target message? Have you thought about what's entailed from a time perspective? Are you actually integrating the expenses that are incurred when you're doing podcasting, the editing, the production side of things, all of those things? And then when they hear that, they think, Oh, that sounds like a lot of work. I said, well, if you love it, it's not work. Absolutely. I think many people, especially after the pandemic, are really coming to a place in their lives and their careers where they're searching and they're trying to figure out that next thing, that next act. And even if it's within the corporation that you're with, if you're working for someone else, because not everyone, I don't believe, is inclined to jump into the space of a solopreneur or even an entrepreneur. It just isn't everything that folks think it is. In fact, I was talking to somebody recently and they said, I thought this would be about me having freedom to do whatever I wanted to do when. I said, well, yeah, you can do that, but that might be a little bit of hell to skelter because you don't really get a lot of things done unless you are a little bit more organized. Absolutely. You don't 
fall out of corporate and then just suddenly have clients beating down your door. Most of us, you have to go and build your brand, build your business, provide that infrastructure so that you can run it. And then you create that time for the other things. Exactly. So in your walk with what you do, you're at the beginning of the process and also at the, I wouldn't really say the end of the process because there's a continual process of development over time. But what are one or two success stories that you really feel good about? Oh gosh. But there's one I think that's relevant to this particular conversation because the gentleman I was just talking about going from IT to real estate is a standalone alone engagement where I'm really helping them just with that messaging. We're not going to build a resume. I'm not helping them transition into a job, which is typically what I do with people. But I had a an awesome woman who came to me who was a weather chief at a major B station. And she was trying to figure out that next chapter for herself. She's like, okay, I'm feeling stuck. And I feel like I have more to offer in the world. I have more in me. This is someone who also will be the MC for big events. One of those people that's tapped on the shoulder when there's an auction going on, things like that, right? So an amazing spokesperson, highly educated and a communications expert. So when we started working together, part of my process was her doing information conversations to figure out, is it corporate? Is it PR? Is it communications? Where is that corporate job that will make her heart sing? I have lost track, but I feel like she had probably like 40 or 50 or even more conversations. And each week she would come back and she would be deflated. She'd be like, okay, I talked to people in PR this week and I don't think that's it. Or I talked to people in marketing. You've been a journalist for 10, 15 years, and you're out on the streets, you're talking to people and you're fueled by that. And then you have to go get behind a desk to use your communication skills. I was like, I think you're going to be a caged hummingbird if you go and do a job like that. And it made me really sad to think of that because I feel successful when my people move into that role they thought they wanted. But we dialed it back and I said, okay, I know you invested in me, but through our process, I think it really looks like you're gearing up for entrepreneurship where you should should be the communications expert and you're helping other people with their branding and being excellent on video because that's what she does. She teaches that kind of on the side. So she actually invested in the woman that I invested in, who's my business coach. And she went and built out her entire communications company. And so now she's an entrepreneur. I see that as a success story, but she's got grit. This is a woman with achiever in her top five, and she is relentless about going after her goals. So that's one success story because I feel like she unpacked what she needed to move into the right direction. That's great. You know what it makes me think? think of, and you've mentioned this a few moments ago, many of us who have had the corporate experience have gone through different assessments and we get the results to your point, review the results. And sometimes our leadership views the results, kind of try to use it, but you're really not certain if it's really being used. And now I'm actually encouraged to go back and take a look at some of the assessments that I've taken between the Clifton Strengths Finders, Myers-Briggs, DISC, and put it all together and actually compare to see if any of it is reflected in what I'm currently doing. I'm going to give you a little twist to think about. The reason why I rely less on that personality assessment, so that's the Holland and the UMAP, but it could be, as you said, DISC or Myers-Briggs. 
Briggs, what happens is we get to that personality assessment and I've been in those team meetings where we're all sitting around with our results and we all go, oh, I don't want you to see this. This this part is negative or this part isn't true. Like it's actually not true. The reason why a person might have a reaction about something not being true, I thread it back to their top strengths and their values. And I can usually dismiss, I can say, that isn't you. I can see that and here is why, because you have these strengths that override that. So what we do when I build their narrative is we redline that out and pull it off. Why get married to something that an assessment is telling you who you are when that isn't? I feel you on that because many times we would be in the meetings and we would look at our results and we want to have our results reflect what leadership is actually using as criteria for those who have potential, which I have to say used to always annoy me to be quite frank. So that would be the reason to be a little bit coy about the results. I'll never forget when I took Myers-Briggs at the Center for Creative Leadership in San Diego. I went there for a development opportunity and I took the Myers-Briggs. The result in terms of personality and some of the ways that I think I was an introvert and I just refused it. I did not want to be an introvert. I just didn't want to actually marry myself to that label. Of course, because you draw your energy from that probably self alone time so you can reflect and think. And it doesn't mean that you're not a people person, right? My husband is amazing with people, but he is an introvert and he needs time away to recharge and reset. Those who are extroverted gain their energy from that external stimuli. And it's not bad. It's just how it's how we're wired. Exactly. And the fact of the matter is, depending on what your situation is, you can be labeled, let's just say an introvert. It's almost like a code switch when you have to. Now Mm -hmm. you have to learn how to manage your energy when you do that. I've had to learn how to do that. It used to drain me, but I learned how to manage it. So I didn't feel drained after being in a position where I had to actually project energy. It's just something that you become used to after a while, but that code switch sometimes can be exhausting if you're not aware of why you're doing it and the value of what it's serving. What you're saying so resonates because I'm not an introvert. I'm close to the line, but I am an extroverted thinker. That's like part of my profile from Myers-Briggs. And so a lot of what I do naturally is I'm brainstorming and bantering outside of my head. It doesn't mean that I'm married to what I'm saying because I'm really trying to come to the best solution. And I've learned over time that if I'm working with, let's say, an introverted software engineer, I'm just choosing that. I have learned that I need to give that person space and ask for permission. May I brainstorm with you? Do you need time to go think about this? Can we come back and talk about this in two days so we can come to a resolution or what have you? What I find is when I have to tamp down the brainstorming and the extroverted thinking, I also have my energy drained because I have to regulate myself to keep it in and not not go where I'm not welcomed. (laughs) You help me understand someone who's very close to me who is an extrovert and does actually benefit from a lot of activity. And that's how they draw their energy. And because I'm the opposite, sometimes that can be a bit of a struggle because I have to understand that stimulation is sometimes needed. So you have to regulate that in some way consciously. It takes a lot of EQ, like from each of us being on the other side. And also that mutual respect as human beings to let you live your best life and be you and allow me to be me, but to allow space for us to do both. Early in my career, I worked with a woman who 
did not take to me at first, like really did not like me. And I was really highly charged, loud, (laughs) extroverted thinking all the time. And she was not beautiful people person, but I was too much. We're just going to say I'm too much. (laughs) And over time, she learned to love me and we became best friends. What she realized is, oh, you just need to talk it all out. Okay, I get it. She started to realize the benefit of what the outcome of what I could provide (laughs) if I was brainstorming out loud. I appreciate that because I have some former colleagues who were loud, just as individuals, they were just very loud and they were very, very outspoken. And sometimes they just said what was on their mind. And in the corporate environment, it wasn't very much appreciated. So they gained a label, let's just say. It just gave everybody some grace. I accepted them for who they were. And I realized that this particular person just was one of those people. And maybe there's something to tempering, having the emotional intelligence to understand that there's time and place and your outbursts, let's just say, are not always going to be accepted without judgment. But to realize that in these certain environments, sometimes that's just not what is expected. And that's part of the problem that she was very unique. And I think that uniqueness sometimes is a misfit in some corporate environments, just simply is. And she actually was a wonderful entrepreneur when she was doing her own thing. And then she came into a leadership position and they were like, whoa, that energy is coming at you like a Mack truck. So you have to be able to work with that energy. Yeah, absolutely. I like what you said. I love the phrase time and place. I said that to my youngest son many times when he was growing up, like you have a lot to say, a lot of energy, a lot of ideas, but time and place, time and place. It's interesting. So as we put some form around this conversation, as relates to what you do, and the skill sets you have and the tools you have as you work in the different spaces of executive search, that consulting space, mm-hmm. and that you map space. When you converge all of those together, when you're working with your clients, what's your value proposition? What do you feel the best about as you're navigating through those different worlds? Oh, that's such a sweet question. Thanks. I think that my secret sauce is actually my third strength. It's called individualization. So what I have the unique superpower and ability to do is really see each person as a unique and distinct individual. And I consider their background, all the stories that got them to where they are today. And that's what I weave into that storytelling that I'm writing for them and helping reflect back for them. Because as Kristen Sherry says, it's hard to read the label when you are inside of the job. So when I read these synthesis back, it is not unusual for me, male or female, to get some kind of well of emotion from people when I get done reading what I've put together for them, which takes three weeks time. It takes five hours to build up these different synthesis. I do one on the UMAP and then a leadership component and then their whole career story. And I've had people get choked up and teary eyed because they're like, I haven't seen myself this way. And these are people that are 40 and above. It's beautiful. And so I live for that. I live for that moment of, okay, I helped someone really get seen and they're feeling that in their bones. I appreciate what you're saying about that. So here is a client who you've done some of the work for. They've done their work. You've done your work. What happens then as a result of that work in terms of what is your advice to them so they continue on that process 
of brand building and things like yeah, that? That's a great question. That's all my foundational stuff that I do. And it takes three to four weeks to get there. And then I'm partnering with, I have a couple of resume writing companies that are among the top resume writing companies in the world. And what I'm doing is partnering with them to have my client work with them to get that awesome resume. That's like a 15 to 20 hour project that I can offload so I can keep moving with them. So what we're doing is we're having that built at the same time I'm helping them build out their LinkedIn profile. So that's part of their marketing too. How are you going to attract people to you? Do you have all the keywords from top to bottom, headline to the skills? We do settings and privacy, all these things that help them get better found. But then what we get to do is we switch into job search strategy. We switch into networking strategies. I'm with them every step of the way, helping them craft those messages. I teach them how to fish. I teach them how to prepare for interviews. I'm doing that for them on the front end. It goes back to that behavioral interview prep. I reverse engineer it. So instead of being the interviewer, I'm using that interviewer expertise. And I'm saying, here's how we're going to exactly prepare you against this job description. And then we do research. We go research the key players the company. So when they get into interview situations or they try to get informational conversations, they already have a leg up. They're paying attention because if you're a senior leader and you're not doing that kind of research and homework, you're probably not going to stack up toward the top. You need that intelligence going in to read the whole landscape, the competitive landscape about that company, about those people and figure out what do they need from someone like you? Take all the messaging that you've been working on and all those stories and you're targeting it in a way that they can hear it and they can see how you fit. So that's what I'm doing in the whole middle part of my program is all that using everything for the storytelling and the networking. The last thing that I do with people, oftentimes after they've already landed, is we'll have a meeting one or two months later and we do a thought leadership component. And what does that mean? If they're hiring me, they feel stuck. They're hiring me because they haven't had that process for themselves. And we didn't learn it in college or anywhere else. They've learned that. So how do you get people to come to you over time and attract recruiter calls and all of that? Thought leadership, sharing articles, sharing your wisdom, writing LinkedIn posts. Maybe it's a guest speakership. Maybe you're a keynote speaker. Maybe you even get a TED talk. Maybe you're on a podcast. Thought leadership comes in many ways and forms. I help them figure out what are those key topics you want to be known for going forward and how can you authentically stay in that lane so it feels comfortable? Because one person might really want to do a TED Talk, but other people might feel very comfortable sharing their wisdom about leadership through sharing articles, through commenting on other people's posts, things like that. It all matters and you get activity on LinkedIn because you do that stuff. Absolutely. Now you helped me tweet one little thing on LinkedIn when we first met. It. And a lot of people are mystified with that platform from a standpoint of what can I actually do? One of the downsides I've found to LinkedIn is that there doesn't seem to be enough support. It just seems like you're really on your own to figure it out. I change it all the time. I recorded a half hour settings and privacy video for my private clients. So I send them the video and I say, pull up LinkedIn and go through my video and stop and start me and go set your stuff up. It's only been like a couple months and my new clients are like, well, 
what I see is not matching what you're showing me on the screen. They've changed the way that it appears. So they're using the word choices. I'm like, go into this setting and turn the communications button off. They can do it, but it doesn't look the same. Ah, it's already dated. One of the pointers that you gave was to, when you leave a company, not to actually remove it or to end your employment on LinkedIn. Because if there are executive search firms that are looking for someone with your background, when you remove yourself from that company, you won't show up. Yeah, people should leave their entire career history on there. And you can put your ending date within one to two months. I actually did a post about that recently. And there was a lot of differing opinions. Some are like, you do it the moment that you're exited. And I had other people saying two months. So you have to make your own choice. The leaders and execs that I work with, oftentimes have comfort with an LLC with their name. So for me, it's Gina Riley Consulting. And then they may pick up some consulting assignments, even if it's like pro bono board work. And then they can put it under that shingle and show that they're still active and engaged as a professional. I'm working with a man right now who he had been laid off right before the pandemic. And, and he was in the middle of a huge home build. And this is a man who does worldwide facilities management, project management galore. He went and managed his home building project during a time when supply chain was all messed up and contractors were going out the roof. You couldn't get contractors. He managed his home project. So that's on his LinkedIn is custom home build and what he was doing. He can speak to that authentically. Got laid off. He kept himself very busy. He's ready to get back in the game now. Beautiful. Infinity beautiful, that's they say. <laughs> Look there. <laughs> So with that said, as we kind of wrap things up, let's segue just a little bit for our listeners, for those who are perhaps wanting to end a career, to move into something that they feel more passionate about, move into something that they're making a difference. They're serving people that are connected to their values. Working with those type of people who are at that place in their life where they say, I just want to make a difference. I want to create a ripple. I want to do something that has purpose to it. Yeah. I've worked with professionals that sort of are making a transition one way or another from, for example, corporate to a nonprofit or nonprofit to corporate where they're like, I'm above 40 and I need to maximize my earning potential. I'm not going to do that maybe in that nonprofit space. And it's interesting and tricky. It's hard for each type of person because what they have to do is first understand the unique value proposition. Then they have to position and speak the language of the target. So sometimes they're not able to do that. And sometimes it can result in something that's amazing and successful. And other times you can transition into that role and then find it's really challenging because you're not speaking the same language. It is particularly difficult to go from the corporate to that nonprofit work because what happens is I'll talk to people and like, I just really want to help the homeless or I really care about education or whatever it is, right? And I'll say, you need to go conduct some informationals and learn. You need to learn. This is what they go and learn. The nonprofit folks oftentimes will say, let me share with you what we do and what you need to have. And by the way, where have you been all these years? Why do you su suddenly appear at my doorstep and want to help the homeless or what have you? Also, there's some fear and threat. You're coming from corporate. You're going to come and ram down our throats your processes, and we have assumptions about each other. What I would say is for anyone making any kind of transition at all, you need to go do that investigative work and stay very curious and ask a lot of questions and be open-hearted about what you're going to hear back. 
so that you can decide if you're going in the right direction and then you need to build relationships and earn your way going that direction. As I remember recruiting some individuals who came from the nonprofit environment, what I've noticed is that their start in the new environment was always very slow. It's like time stopped. The thought process is different. And it took a while for them to actually make the transition in terms of the pace of when things needed to be done, completed, and results gotten. Some of them actually did well and others just simply didn't. They just could not make that transition. To your point, do the research, stay inquisitive, curious about what the environment truly is going to be like. And it could be the reverse too. You're going from corporate, you're going to a nonprofit type of environment, and you're thinking that things should be popping. Decisions made, results gotten, and it does not move like that. Oh no, oh no. Yeah. And the other thing is about passion, purpose, et cetera, is I believe that if we're living our best life with our strengths and our values are in alignment, that we can make a difference where our roots are planted. Even if you are inside of a corporate and maybe you're a leader of an engineering team, if you're serving people or you're doing whatever it is that you enjoy doing, embrace it. Doesn't mean you have to go and leave and do something that sounds like it's like purposeful. You can live with great purpose right where you are. And win where you stand, for sure, for sure. I'm glad that we had the chance to make this happen. So let's wrap things up. What's next for you? Yeah, I constantly toil away at my program and keep adding to it. So each new client gets some kind of new twist or benefit. And every client I have informs me of what's going to be helpful. So that's fun. What I keep saying out loud, though, is I want to take the career velocity framework and write a book. Unless I don't keep saying that, it's probably not going to happen. That's what I'd really like to do so that people can have a one-stop shop. I'm like, okay, here's how I build a career transition plan. And here's the moving parts and help people with that as a guide. That's what I want to do in the future. This is beautiful. And I have no doubts that you're going to make that happen. I have no doubts. Not if you put it in the universe, probably more than one time. You're doing it. (laughs) All right. This is one little step. In fact, I was talking to someone who's writing a science fiction trilogy and he would say, Jeanette, what I have to do is I get up at XYZ every morning and I have to write for at least a half an hour. I sit in front of my computer And I sit there, whether or not I write a word, I am there. And eventually on some days things flow and other days, nothing flows. And he just Mm -hmm. says, okay, I gave it the time. I got to get into the office and get my other things done. So it's a discipline that he was sharing with me. And now he's got 700 pages. Inspiring. Yeah, it honestly is. And the discipline that it took to do that, it's just awesome. Really awesome. So I have no doubts that once you get started, it's going to start to pour out of you. Yep, it will, no doubt. So let's talk about how we can contact you. Oh gosh, that's super easy. At GinaRileyConsulting.com, one thing that I let people know is I have a free resource at the top green button. For those in career transition, you can actually go download a video where I talk about why you need a career transition plan and then what that framework looks like. And then it comes with a free downloadable workbook. So you can start jotting down what the things are that you need to do and plug those holes. And then the other is I love people to reach out on LinkedIn 
with a personalized connection request and say, Hey, I heard you on the podcast. Personalized connection requests are so important because all of us get so many inbound salesy sorts of things that it just helps make that resistance barrier go away. It's just easy to say, yes, thank you for telling me you heard me. I've made so many professional friendships and that's how I've built up my reserves of the resume writers that I work with. It's all people that I built trust because they're consistent with what they say on the platform. When I meet them in person, I know what I'm going to get. It would be an absolute shock if they didn't show up the way that I've been seeing them for years. I hope I come off the same way as well. People get on with me and they're like, oh, you sound exactly like you did a year ago and the year before. I certainly enjoyed this conversation, Gina. Thank you for your time. Oh, thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Next Chapter Experience. If you have already subscribed, rated, and left a review, or shared this podcast with a friend, many, many thanks. For questions, comments, or feedback, reach out to me at Jeanette Lissette at nextchapterexperience.com. We'll be back with more conversations. So until then, keep that fire burning. And